right, all right, all right. How's everybody doing? Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's the, uh, how's the post-Christmas? Everybody kind of got that, that sort of post-Christmas hangout, jet lag kind of sugar rush, coming down from that sugar rush and all the, the turkey and ham. Everybody have a good Christmas? How was it? Is it all right? I tell you what, now we need a little interactive moment here. I want to get some responses. I want you to just yell out the best Christmas gift that you unwrapped or that Santa Claus left for you. Go! That was awesome. You guys are really good. I heard nothing. Try again. A new, a new baby? Wow. Okay, they win the prize. I mean, that's good. That's nothing. This, I want to show you my favorite present that I got for Christmas. This is my, uh, my new back scratcher. And I want you to know I could not be more happy about this because I am a violent back scratcher person. I mean, you know, none of this little plastic stuff. We need to break skin and draw blood for it to be a good back scratch. And, uh, and so these are actual antlers. Isn't that awesome? I mean, my goodness. You know, and no, you can't, you can't use it because this is a very personal item. But I'm real excited about it. And I hope that everybody got some cool gifts. Something, uh, you know, something that you were excited about or, or, uh, or happy to get. Um, but, you know, and I actually really have been grooving on the, uh, the message series that Jeff started just a couple of weeks ago. The Christmas series, which we're kind of ending today. Um, as the holidays sort of wind down, the, the idea of presence. Uh, and, and we're talking about not presents that we open up, but the presence of something or someone or someone's, you know, things that the, the, present, the presence of certain things and people in our life that can make a difference and ultimately uh, the presence of, of, of God himself. And the reason I love that series and how it... It has been really a really cool thing is because I know that even though Christmas is, after all, the most wonderful time of the year, and it's been, thank you, and it's been awesome, and, and we've, we've enjoyed it, we've tried to be happy and enjoy the music and the lights and everything, I also am aware that for some of us, this, you know, this has been a tough year. I mean, you know, we've been through a lot, some of us, this year. And, and some of us in particular, even in the room today, during the Christmas season or right during the holidays, some really hard things have been going on in your life or in our lives and the lives of our family members. And so we go through things that uh, no gift that we could ever unwrap uh, and no Christmas carol that we could sing or no Hallmark Christmas movie that we could watch or, is going to make that go away, you know, or make that any better. And so I believe that the hope for those of us who are, who are trying to walk in faith, or maybe those of us who are reaching out for, a, for an experience in faith, the real hope is that there can be something other than what we find under the tree or the Yankee Candle Christmas, you know, aromas that are surrounding us. That there'll be more than that, that there'll be something with more staying power and, and, and more potential to make an actual result in our life and help us get through the stuff that we're going through. Help us get through the things that we're dealing with. And so we're going to talk today as, as we wrap up this series and we, as we wrap up the holidays, we're going to talk about 
presence, about God's presence, God's presence, God himself, making him, himself available and present with us. It reminds me of a, a real, oh, before I, before I go, I just want to once again recognize my, uh, my family that's here, my uh, two strapping sons, Derek and Bryce, they're awesome, two very awesome, and the prettiest, uh, prettiest girl in the room today, my daughter Carly, my, my sister Laura is here as well, who helped transport them down, and uh, this is your opportunity to applaud my family, thank you. <laughs> So, uh, really appreciate them being here. And so, we're going to talk about this uh, idea today of, of God's presence, God being with us. And it brings to mind a really cool uh, Christmassy Bible verse that we find in the book of Matthew, where they're kind of uh, leading up to the fact that Jesus Christ will be born. And the writer uh, Matthew writes. Uh, for behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So our, our focus is going to be today, it's going to be on that phrase, God with us. So let's say that together, God with us. God with us. Wow, you guys are so much more talented and connected than the, the 10 o'clock people, are they not? I hope somebody didn't stay over for both and then they'll be offended. Oh, you did. Sorry about that, Jeff. Nothing personal. But, uh, no, thank you for the response. God with us. We're, I mean, this is, we're going to be talking about the potential power that exists in that phrase. The fact that, man, that's, that's a really big deal. If we believe that God is with, if, if God really is with us, that has a potential to be a massive game changer for us. We sang about it in one of the songs. And if our God is for us, you know, who can stand against if, if our God is with us, I mean, anything, anything is possible. So we're going to talk about this phrase, God is with us, God with us. I, uh, if you're like in one of my uh, like small groups, you're connected with me through the, the My Church Nation stuff. If you get an email or a text from me, it's, uh, it, it's very common for me to put a little phrase at the end of my text where I say, the Lord is with you. And that is always something I'm all constantly trying to encourage people with. The Lord is with you because I believe in the power of that. And I believe it is far more, that phrase is far more than just a, you know, religious concept. Or uh, like back in the day, like a, a bumper sticker, you know, a catchphrase. We should, we should hashtag it though, shouldn't we? Hashtag God is with us. Hashtag Christmas is awesome. Hashtag bir- virgin birth. What? You know, I mean, this is, uh, but, but it, is, it goes more, it goes beyond the idea of a catchphrase. Or a little uh, signature at the end of an email. What we're talking about is what I think that the fact that God's presence is with us has the potential uh, to change everything. And so, my premise here is that God's presence, and us connecting to that, and, and then really tapping into all the fullness of that, could shape our lives. God's presence can shape our lives. And what I mean by that is that it, it has the potential to really alter the way we approach life, uh, the way our life works, the way we just go 
go through the way we make decisions, the way we address issues and stuff that comes up in our life. The way we look at the future, the way we look at the past, Ugh, dicey sometimes, right? But if God is with us, it can shape all of that. And it can, and, and it, it, it can ultimately and eventually make us different people. God's presence in our lives can change us and can change the way our life is shaped. So we're going to talk this morning just a couple of concepts about how that might could look. How, how would, you know, tapping into this reality of God's presence, how, how would that uh, shape our lives? I want to just mention before we get into the, the two concepts I want to share with you uh, in this conversation. Uh, before I do that, I want to share with you that it might not be the way you think. The fact that God's presence and us being aware of it and, and totally in tune with that uh, might not be the way you think. What, I, what I'm trying to say is, is that a lot of us, and this may not be you, but, but for a lot of us, when we think about the fact that God is with us, that God sees us, that God knows us, hold all my calls please, uh, that God knows everything, sees everything, um, you know what, sometimes that's not really good news. It kind of freaks us out a little bit. And we're thinking, wow, if God is watching, straighten up, <clears throat> get everything right, hide all the bad stuff, lead with the good stuff, and try to, uh, and try to make God okay with us because we don't want, because we know He might be not like what he sees he might not like to be with us he is with us but ooh is he going to be so mad because he knows us so well and I just want to sort of just diffuse that because I don't think that's how I don't think that's how God intended for us to perceive his presence so we're going to have to make a decision this morning we're going to have to make a decision this morning and in the days and months to come. What do we really believe about God? What do we believe about God? What we believe about how He looks at us? And what do we believe our connection with God is truly and really based on? And if it's, and I'm telling you straight up right now, if my connection with God is based on me getting it right and being good, this plane is careening into the ocean this is not going to go well you see the christmas story quite honestly every story that we find in the sacred text in the ancient scriptures the 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 word of god that we built our life build our lives around every, i mean cover to cover it's about god this great powerful god not spending all his time trying to throw his weight around and getting people to straighten up, fly right. All he does throughout this entire book is try to connect with us. Try to find us. Try to reach out to us and, and hopefully get us to reach out to him. And of all the stories in the whole book, the Christmas story is the most profound in that way. Because God decides that when I send my son... I mean, the biggest event in all of human history, God coming to earth in bodily form, 
He chooses a low-income, more than likely below-poverty-level family. Creates a scandal between, with this engaged couple. An unexpected, unwanted, and much rumored about pregnancy. Jesus isn't even born indoors. The first people to get the announcement about Jesus coming to earth and being born are the people that, t- that work the most menial, the most disrespected, the most cast aside people in all of society, the shepherds. And Jesus spends the first few years of his life uh, g- going from being homeless to a refugee in Egypt. I mean, it's just a wild story. And we think, and, and that's how it started. And here we are, thousands of years later, and we believe that to fully and, and, and completely and to follow him well, we got to get everything looking right and being right. And we got to have it all together. We got to have a cool show where the lights on the stage never come untaped and fall down, which they did during the first service. <laughs> they have been reattached. We'll see what happens. How did that happen? How did we go from God invading the planet in the most humble, the most real way, trying to get the message across to us, I am not freaked out by brokenness. I do not mind messy. And I don't seek and look for perfection. We spend all our lives looking at our flaws and our sins, our failures and our mistakes and the brokenness in our life and in our, and in our history and our story. And we think that that is somehow displeasing to God. And and God is like, that's the whole reason I came. That is the whole reason I'm here. Is because of the brokenness. That's why God is with us. Not to say, I'm here and you are awful. And I am not enjoying being here. That's not what God is saying. What God is saying is, I'm with you. Let's do this together. Let's do the journey and the process together. So, that being said, how would it look? How, what, what, what kind of aspects of our lives could be reshaped by knowing and believing and being confident in the fact that God is with us? And I think the first and most important one, most important area, most important facet of our lives that would be affected is the way we deal with fear. Say the word fear. Fear. Fear, fear the ultimate bad guy. In our lives and in our internal, mental, and emotional struggle. Fear. I want to push the pause button at this point and say, you may be thinking, fear, meh, you know, whatever. I'm not a real scaredy cat kind of guy. You know, the, the person I'm sitting next to is scared of everything. My, the, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's my wife or my brother or my sister. Maybe they're, they're just afraid of everything. How many, uh, how many germaphobes we have in the room here today? How many people have used hand sanitizer at least once while I've been talking? All right. Hey, listen, there's plenty of stuff to be afraid of. And uh, go for the hand sanitizer. Probably make things smell nice in here. It's all good. But some of us would say, well, I'm not a real fear guy, or fear's not a real thing for me because I don't chew my fingernails and I'm not paranoid and I'm not like edgy on the, you know, freaked out about things all the time. But I think that if we're honest, all of us, fear is the big dog monster under the bed in our lives, even if you don't 
consider yourself a scaredy cat. Because if there's anything that we worry about, I mean, if you, are you, is there anything you're worried about? Is there anything you're hoping never happens to you or your family? Is, is there anything that uh, in your story you don't never want anybody to find out about? Is there anything that the stress level... Uh, when, you, when you go there and you think about that subject or you talk about it, it just, it just blows up. Fear is a really broad issue and, and the, the reason it's so important for us to open our minds to the fact that maybe even if we're not nervous little people, we still do deal with fear. All of us do. And it has to, God, we, we, we must allow God to reshape how we address our fears. Really cool verse um, in, in the Old Testament tells us that we can have courage. We can have courage. And it tells us what the basis of our courage would be. It's a verse that's written by uh, the prophet Isaiah, one of the Old Testament guys that spoke for God to the people. And Isaiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord and he says in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10, he says, don't be afraid, I am with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength, I'll help you, I'll hold you steady, I'll keep a firm grip on you. Isaiah, God, through Isaiah, is saying to the people back then, and I think the words are really powerful for us today, that we can have courage, we can approach our fears differently because we know he is with us. God is with us. So it affects the way we address our fears. It can give us a different, new, deeper kind of courage. This verse and this concept remind me of a story uh, that happened uh, several years ago uh, between me and my, my daughter Carly. And I asked her if I could share this uh, and she said she would, it would be okay and it wouldn't be too, too embarrassing for her. Carly was in the 10th grade. It was, uh, we were uh, going through a really hard time in our, in our family's story. And at the time, it was the spring of her 10th grade year. And at that time, she and her brothers and, and their mother were living uh, across town, a few miles away from where I was living, uh, across town. And uh, uh, their mother was out of town uh, for a, a, a few days. And uh, so they were staying there with, the, with their grandparents. And I was staying across town. Well, it was, a, it was a very stormy night. It was a huge, massive thunderstorm was rolling through our county. And so it was one of those light show kind of thunderstorms, you know, where the thunder's huge and loud, and the lightning's intense, and, you know, just brightens up, makes the night, you know, day just for a, a split second. And the rain's in, intense. And uh, now Carly knew I worked late because I was actually at the time managing a Five Guys Burgers and Fries. Come on, everybody. Yeah? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. As I, there is, uh, there's a whole lot going on in that Five Guys food, but it sure is good, isn't it? My goodness gracious. The fries, way too many fries, more than anybody can eat. But anyway, back to the story. So she knew I was working late. When I get off work and I check my phone, and there's a message from Carly, and, she said, and the message says, Daddy, are you home from work yet? Um... And so, I, you know, once I get it, I check in with her. And basically, the deal was, is that at that night, at that time, at the most intense part of the storm, the storm was freaking her out. And she was just asking, and 
even though her grandparents were there in the house, she, she kind of felt alone and she couldn't get to sleep. And so she asked if I could come over. And so I contact her grandmother and I'm, I arrange it. And I come over. And it's after midnight and it's in the middle of the night. Um, uh, as I said, in the middle of the storm is what I meant to say. And so, um, so I get there. And, uh, and we just hang out and talk for a little bit. And then uh, I, I crash in the uh, recliner there in her room. And she, she goes to sleep. And, I mean, I had to get up super early for my other job that morning. I was gone before she even woke up. So it was just a, we had a little bit of time together. But basically, it helped just that I, we were there together. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know what's interesting uh, about that story is that is that the minute I walked into Carly's room, I mean, I step in the room, and the storm stops. And it's, no, I'm kidding. I don't have that kind of... I, don't, I do not possess such power. So, uh, the storm raged on, but the, the rain never bothered us anyway. But the, the, we just... I'm sorry. So... The storm raged on all night. It did not get any better. But we got, we were okay. And it, and it was comforting. It was a comfort to Carly that, that I was able to come over and be there. And so that's what, that's the story that comes to my mind when I read this verse. Because what it, what it helps me understand, and, and, and again, maybe you'll catch this in my, my message here today or in this conversation. You know, most of the stuff that God shows me that helps me in my life is Him first unlearning something that I used to believe that really was kind of off kilter. And so that's why I'm saying we're going to relearn what we believe about God here today. This verse, that story about me and Carly helps undo an old concept I used to have. Because when I, let's speak in this uh, metaphor of this story... When I go through storms, when I go through unsettling, frightening times in my life, you know what my tendency is in my faith thing? My tendency is not to call out to God. Isn't that terrible? That makes me an awful person. Why did you give me the microphone, Jeff? Um, because my tendency is to say, is to, is to think in my mind, you know, God, uh, God probably expects me to just kind of man up here. You know, I should bow up. I should shake it off. And, I sh- and my prayer to God should be, say, Lord, I'm, I know it's wrong for me to be afraid, so I'm going to be all right. And, uh, and I'm going to make you proud of me, Lord. And uh, see how strong I am? And that's what I thought God would please the Lord. What I realized is that when, when we read this verse, it says... It, it says, fear not, don't be afraid, because I'm with you. And what Carly did that night is she, she showed me how awesome it is when you let your father know you need him. When you let your, when I would let, if I could let my heavenly father know, you know, God, I don't have this all together. I have totally, this is whooping me big time. Can you come to me? Can you... Can you come help me? Now let me ask you a question. Let me just say it this way. That night, when I went over there, if you think that the fact that my 10th grade daughter 
couldn't get through a storm without calling me. You, if you think that bothered me, if you think that annoyed me, if you think I was disappointed that she couldn't get through it by herself, you're out of your mind. That's one of the best nights. I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Because my daughter needed me and she called out to me. Now, I'm a broken, messed up, not even living in the same house dad. Can you imagine if I feel that way, what would the, the, our Heavenly Father feel? You don't think he deals with distance between, between him and us sometimes? You, th- you don't think that, that breaks his heart? And you don't think it's the best sound in his ears when one of his children says, Lord, I, I, Father, I, I'm, I can't do it. I can't get through this. St- I, I can't sleep. I'm too afraid. Can you come to me? Man, come on. That's, that is God grooves on that. He says, don't fear. I have one reason not to be afraid. And I love, see, because if I wrote that verse in Isaiah, I would say, fear not, because it's stupid to be afraid. Fear not, because after all I've done for you, you don't think I can get you through a little something like this? Haven't we gone over this? Fear not again. That's the way I would have written it. But God says, fear, I've got one reason not to be afraid. And that reason is because he is with me. And if he is with me, anything's possible. And maybe the storm will stop, but more than likely it won't. But I won't be alone. How about that? And that's the win. That if I were to tap into that reality over the small stresses and over the big stuff that frightens the stuffing out of me, that would make me a different person. That would help me address my problems, my future, and definitely, you know, my past. It would help me do that a lot healthier. healthier. You understand what I'm saying there? That's what I want. And that's why when I say, God, I don't want your... Your God with, God with us to be just a hashtag. I want it to mean something. And I want it to shape me differently. And that's the biggest way I need him to shape me. Is the way I deal with my fears. Now there was a little companion verse I want to show you. It comes from the New Testament of the scriptures. Written by one of the original disciples and apostles, John. And it's, uh, it's in the book called First John. They named it that because it was the first one he wrote. I went to school to learn that. No? Okay, but anyway, it's in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 18. Let's take a look at that. And it says, he's describing love and as it relates to fear. It says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, the thing that I'd like to zone in on is the second phrase. It says, perfect love casts out fear. And so what he's trying to describe is is if we could um, if we could kind of live our lives from a core belief that our connection with God is based on only based on and only based on his love for us I mean that's, that's where it starts and ends is, is with his love for us and his love for us is an irrational bizarre I don't get it kind of love because 
He loved us before we even knew it, much less before we could straighten up our act and polish off the uh, rough edges of our lives. He loved us just like he came to us in the Christmas story in the midst of weirdness. He loved us in the midst of our brokenness and weirdness. And if, if that's the basis of our, rela- our connection with him, then we don't have to worry about we don't, be, we don't have to be controlled about the fear and about getting punished or dealing with the consequences of our sins. The fact is that because of his love, we can face all the consequences of the brokenness of our lives. Because it doesn't go away, right? I mean, we, we, we mess up, we've got pain, we, we've experienced pain, we've inflicted pain. So it's not like that, that, that stuff doesn't, doesn't exist. It's just that my connection to God is based on his love that ro- overrides all of that. And now I can, with him, face all the issues that result from the weirdness and brokenness of my life. And I don't have to do it alone. And that's a big deal. Because I don't have to be afraid of the brokenness of my life or what may happen to me or to the people that I love. I don't have to be afraid because of the perfect love of God. Now, I've always thought in the religious, in the spiritual life, in my spiritual life, I always thought that the opposite of fear would be faith, or the opposite of fear would be courage. But what if the opposite of fear is love? I'm just saying. I mean, if, if, if he says here that the love, if we're confident in God's love for us, that could be so powerful that it overrides the fear in our lives. That's a big deal to me. And I think it could be a big deal for all of us that his amazing love could, uh, could defuse the fear. And now I don't have to be controlled by it. And when fear does invade my mind and my heart and I start reacting in the old ways, what do I do? Lord... There's a storm of fear raging. There is a storm of worry and anxiety and stress and shame. And it's all piling up on me now. I need your help. And God says, don't panic. I'm with you. We can do this together. Isn't that good news? Don't you love that? All right. So that's the big one. That's the big issue that we need to deal with. We need to open our minds to the fact that God could shape us reshape us in terms of the way that we deal with fear the next logical step and this is the only other idea I want to throw out there to you because I think these are the first issues that God would take us through the next logical step in the reshaping of our lives how God's presence with us could change everything for us is is a word I want to throw out called community a word called community because there is never it has never been intended God never saw it as, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help this guy fix his problems and then he's going to be doing this solo for the rest of his life, just me and him. There's always, God will always drive you towards and direct you towards relationships and connections with other people. If God is with me, then I can be with other people. And I can allow, if God is for me and there for me, I, can, I have the courage to invite other people and ask them, can they be there for me as well? And can I be there for them? Connectedness to a community. 
I think that I spent a lot of my time in my life around the opportunity to be involved in community and to connect on a real deep level. But you know why I never could? Because I never dealt with the fear issue. I was never brave enough, courageous enough to take the step and open my life to someone else. And so, being a people person, I had plenty of friends, but there were a lot of barriers between how close they could get and how much we could literally bear one another's burdens as the scripture instructs us to do and how we can truly be there for each other and I spent my life trying to work on stuff in my heart with God but never truly opening my experience and my story up to other people and I want to tell you straight up that's not how this works that's not how any of this works it, 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 won't, it won't happen for us. And the, and the presence of God and the concept of His presence would be just a cute little hashtag. But if He is truly with us, He can truly connect us to people who will do this journey along with us. We don't change and grow and develop in isolation. We don't change in isolation. We change in community. We change when we have people in our lives that we can literally call or text or reach out to and say, I need some help. I've forgotten the good news. Can you remind me that God is with me? Can you remind me that I don't have to fix this by myself? I need help. We need those people in our lives. Hashtag shameless plug. I want it. Here it comes. If you're a part of my church nation, and if you're not, you're welcome to jump in with us. But we do something regularly around here. We get people, we encourage folks to get together in small groups. Small groups, our, my church small groups are a great way to connect in community, to lean into community. We had, we had a, a, a fall session of small groups that was mind-blowing. Was it not? Who was in a freeway group? Anybody? Come on. I'm telling you, you talk about game change. The connections that we made, the people that we started doing life together, lean into authentic community where you can be real and just see what God will do and see how the, the, the texture of your life will change. We're encouraged to bear one another's burdens. We're encouraged even to confess all the brokenness and messiness of our lives to each other so that we can be healthy and whole and healed that's what the scripture says and I promise you Sunday mornings are awesome but you won't get a chance to bear one another's burdens that much on Sunday morning but we need connection and community this is who we are this is what we need and when you hear that coming up and you hear those announcements you see the stuff on the website you're going to hear a voice also in your head that says, eh, small group's not for you. Church is awesome. The band is cool. Jeff is funny. When he, you know, does these jokes when he preaches, it's awesome. We love that. But the small group, maybe not. Lean into community. Have the courage. Take that courageous step. God is with us, and He can make us braver than we thought we were. He can make us stronger than we've ever been before. Let's open our hearts and allow them to do that. Now, we're just about done. I'm going to wrap up. I got one more cool story to tell you.
We're going to do things a little bit different here at the end tonight. Tonight? It's been a long day, I guess. But uh, I'm actually going to invite the band to come up. Because after I tell you this little uh, story, we're going to end the teaching time by singing a song. And it'll be kind of how we pray and wrap up our, uh, our service here today. It'll be a way for us to respond to God and connect with Him. And then after that, we'll do kind of our normal uh, closing where we do a song and, uh, and receive the offering and all that good stuff. All right? But the band, aren't they just a good-looking group of people? Gotta love these guys. I want to tell you a story that happened to me a few years ago that helps me under, wrap my heart around the Christmas story and this concept that God is with us. Um, happened to me at a Starbucks. I was at a Starbucks, as I often am. See, I get love for five guys, no love for Starbucks. Anybody? Thank you. So I'm at a Starbucks in Birmingham, Alabama. My favorite Starbucks that I've ever been in. in. And the reason is, is because the layout is very unique, the way the room is. It's a really, it's a long, narrow build store, like a lot of Starbucks are. The uh, main entrance is at the far end down there. And over, like, uh, along the back wall here is where the cash register is and where you speak to your barista, which is Starbucks word for a person who makes your coffee. And, uh, and you pay there and all of that. And then there are tables. And, and, but the way they did their furniture is very unique. And uh, what they had, they had a big tall table with some high, top, high chairs, high, higher off the ground chairs right here, like where the band is. The, music, the singers are standing. And then between the baristas and, and this table here, there were, there were little kiosks of amazing and tantalizing coffee accessories that we all need in our life I mean there was just and then there were couches and all kinds it was just very unique and and actually a little bit crowded but I just love that feel and the probably the most unique thing about it is that over here there was a a side entrance exit and leading up to the side entrance exit is like uh, about five stairs a little steps and then at the at the platform right by that door is a one small table where one lucky person would get to sit and perch and look down upon all the other coffee drinkers. On this day, that was me. And I was, I was kind of right where Ben is. I'm sorry. And you were, last service, you pretended to be my chair and I almost sat on you. But, um, so I was sitting here and I was doing my thing, which I do at Starbucks. And I, I was reading and studying and studying. Studying, you know, praying, uh, posting incredibly witty things on Facebook. What, you know, what I do at Starbucks. And so, as I do this, I notice a family come in the main entrance. It's a family of four. A young couple with two kids, a boy and a girl. Seven, eight, nine years old, something in that range. And they go and they make their way to place their orders. The dad gives the mom some, I think, a big bag of coffee grinds and said, you know, purchase this. And then he makes his way to the exit. Obviously, he had somewhere else to go. He gets over here to the stairs, which I'm, I'm sitting here. And he gets about halfway up the stairs. And he calls over to his son, whose name was Brian. And he says, Brian, are you coming with me? So this is a moment 
that I'm sure this family had been talking about for about a half an hour. Brian, when we get to Starbucks, are you going to go with your dad or are you going to stay with mom and your sister? So dad's here, Brian's over here, right? And I look and I see Brian and I can tell he wants to go with his dad. But it's kind of weird. It's very loud. Like I said, there's stuff everywhere. There's not like one clear, easy path to get over to the stairs where his dad is. And so he starts to get a little jumpy and he can't figure out where to go. It's not an easy path to get there. And it's loud. You know, and there's a barista over here. My water try latte for Jessica. You know, or whatever. And so the coffee grinder's going mom's dad is like are you coming or not you coming with make up your mind mom's like what are you going to do brian you're going to go with dad you're going to stay with me sister's calling him stupid it's just awful for brian very overwhelming he's got stuff in his way he's got too much noise he's distracted he's like disoriented and then i could tell he was kind of embarrassed that he didn't know what to do he didn't know how to get around all this stuff and so finally he just you know slumped and and went over to his mom and his dad's over here and he just kind of throws up his hands and he says fine see you later and he comes up the stairs and he he kind of shrugs his shoulders at me right and I look at him I said dad problems you know because we've all been there right so he leaves that family they get on with their lives I'm sure Brian recovered nicely it was no big deal but a little bit later as I'm writing stuff down and journaling and thinking and praying it hits me. In my faith life, in my spiritual journey, I'm that kid. That's me. There are plenty of times, sometimes it's over big issues, sometimes over just small issues. But there's a lot of times when I'm in, my, in a situation in my life where I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed. And I, want, I know that, that the answer, the help, the, the strength, the way to get through it is, is there. It's is to follow God. It's to connect with God. It's to reach out to Him and go His way. But there's so much stuff around me. There's noise. There's distraction. There are issues. There are problems, man. There, there, there's barriers between me and God. Some of them that I put up myself. I just fooled around. I knew this decision. We talked about this. I was like, I know this decision point is coming, but when a time comes, it's hard for me to pull the trigger. I don't know where to go. I'm, I'm distracted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I don't know how to get to him. And I, many, many times I just say, I guess it's just not for me. You know, I, it's too much stuff in my past. Too many mistakes. You know, my family's never been into this whole God thing. Or that person in my family, but it's just not for me. It's, I waited too long. Too much stuff has happened. There's too much between me and Him, and I'm, and I'm overwhelmed, and I don't know. I, I feel all these feelings, and the biggest feeling is I feel this hopelessness that I literally can't get to Him. And I'm afraid... That he's going to do what that dad did. And what even I have done as a dad. Where I just throw up my hands in frustration. And I just say, fine. Maybe next time. Good luck. And I'm afraid that God's going to do that with me. 
And here's what the Christmas story tells me. And here's what the idea that God is with us tells me. Is that even when I can't get to Him, my Heavenly Father is a barrier-breaking, way-making God. And when I can't get to Him, He will come to me. He will, do, he, he will stop at nothing to get to me. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4, talks about our God. Don't be afraid. If you're, if you're worried and anxious in your heart, God will come to you. He will come and save you. When you can't even get to Him, you can't even figure it out, God will come to you. He has come to us. And when I tell you the Lord is with you, that's what we're telling you. We're telling you it doesn't matter what's between you and Him. He will come to you if you ask Him to. And maybe today, maybe today is the day for you. Maybe for the very first time where you've never asked Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of your life. Maybe that's the day, today's that day for you. Maybe that's why we're here. is so that the Lord could say to you, ask me and I'll come to you. Maybe for some of us who are connected with God, there's this one area of our lives that we're so afraid, is so cracked and broken and brittle that there's no hope for it. Maybe that's what the Lord wants to tell you today. That if you ask Him, He will come to you. He will change you. He will make you braver than you are. And He will bring you into a community and a family that will change everything for you. He has come to us. He is here. And this is why He's here. So He could come to us when we're so far from him and there's so much between the two of us isn't that good news man I love it y'all stand with me stand with me I want to pray for you and then we're going to just respond with this song and we're going to worship the Lord who is here who is very very here and he is going to show us and remind us that nothing can keep him from finding us and rescuing us. Whatever it is, release it to Him in this time of prayer and in this time of worship. You know, we're told that one of the, God's favorite things to do is to show up in a special way when His people worship Him. He inhabits the praises of His people. So let's just respond to Him and enjoy a moment with Him. Pray with me. Lord, we are overwhelmed we are distracted we are confused and disoriented so many times and and a lot of times we're ashamed and embarrassed by where we are but Lord today your children are calling out to you and saying Lord will you come to us will you bring your presence that can change everything about us and change everything about how we deal with what's around us Will you come to us, Lord? Lord, for those who are here and for the very first time are about to ask you to be the leader and forgiver of their lives, come to them and let them know that this is their day.
for those of us who are who have pockets of our lives where we feel distant from you God erase the distance overcome the barriers and make a way for us Lord we can't do it on our own but we believe you can and we ask you to do this